Dean Dark is an absurd, over-the-top comedy horror adventure that is intended for older audiences. Content warnings can be found in the episode descriptions. Hello and welcome to Dean Dark, a comedy horror real-play podcast loosely inspired by Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition and starring some of history's most infamous monsters. I'm Danger Dangers, and I am your host slash Crypt Keeper. I'm Grayson. I'll be playing Jack Griffin, the Invisible Man, a rogue. Last time we basically came across, I think we fought like two different big bads in that crypt, and the last one definitely gave us a run for our money. Frankenstein wanted to, of course, do the whole like 1v1 me bro, and Jack was not feeling it, so they ended up discovering that the pillars could be brought down on top of Vordenberg. Jack passed off this information, took out one pillar, and then dove out the window. Uh, also, I found my key that I threw like early on, like in, I think, episode one. I'm Ben Magnet, and I play Frankenstein's monster. And uh, yeah, kind of like what Grayson just said, I was the complete and total MVP of the fight last week. Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 I'm going there. I'm going there. I didn't see any of the other guys jump in the fight and start beating the crap out of Volenberg. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. uh, sure. yeah, let me solo, bro. Let me solo, bro. <laughs> oh, God. We're yeah. Okay. I got to stop right there. So, yeah, I was just doing what Frankenstein monster does smash uh, uh, things facing that he doesn't like. I am Daniel Cruz. I'm going to be playing Imhotep the Mummy. And as Grayson said for the last one, I was the absolute MVP oh. of the last fight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one who helped discover the fact that the monster skeleton man was not a fan of thunder. Me, being a skeleton with no ears, ran up to the skeleton who also has no ears and uh, made big booming thunder sounds in his ears to disorient and damage him. Along with the Frankenstein monster, I helped to bring the building down around us because I'm a skeleton and I can just turn into a pile of bones like dry bones from Mario. And so I was figured, oh, if a building collapses, I can just do that and I'll be fine. Hello, I am Aaron. I'm playing the Phantom of the Opera, our bard. I actually think, if we're being honest with ourselves, I was the MVP of that last boss <laughs> battle. Okay, Lies. so let's all be honest. There was a cool organ, and only one of us slammed it like four times. And I want to say that I knocked the most units prone that entire fight. I didn't get knocked prone once. Yeah, neither did I. I didn't even have to be there for the last half of it, and I still did damage. So I think, Lies. you know, we got to keep that in mind we all were forced to clap for you at the end exactly yeah so i feel i feel acknowledged hi my name is jordan nelson i play larry talbot the lycanthropic warlock the real mvp the real mvp <laughs> you know how much rolling around on the ground with carmilla i was oh. doing oh Actually, that makes it sound a little bit more saucy than I intended it to. But yeah, that's all I contributed is I tried to pants the ghosts, failed, tried to help Carmilla off the ground, and failed spectacularly. All right, let's jump back into what I pretend at arm's length is England. Yay! <laughs> Where we left off last time. Carmilla has just gone off into the distance and is now out of sight of all of you. You are now alone, as alone as five people can be together, and you are now set off on your next destination to the nearby town of Stratford, which is off to your west. Between the last session and this one, everybody leveled up to level four now. We started the campaign at level three, so they are all level four and they are all fully rested up and recovered, which is just going to happen over this uh, next travel montage. Uh, Phantom's going to be hanging out with Wolfman, since <laughs> Wolfman was the only one who actually asked for me to come Wonderful. along. Fine. <laughs> so you keep talking about how important all of us are. Would you like to clue me in on what we're important for? To be honest, I was asked to come out to the cemetery this specific one, and find everyone on these cards, which I I think I've done. And I think this um, grand calamity that I was unable to stop has something to do with that uh, Rainer fellow. So he might be at the center of something that we need to, I don't know, 
stop, do something about? Was Rainer the brain of the jar? You know, I don't think so. I think he might have been the man holding the jar. Oh, the scrawny bitch? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the scrawny bitch. Imhotep hears this and kind of like turns just a teeny bit towards a conversation. Not a full turn, just like the head just like slightly in the direction uh. <laughs> as he hears the words scrawny what bitch. You, Imhotep, sir, you're... Uh, you're very important. I'm going to go ahead and put my hand on Emotep's shoulder and just be like, trust me, you're not scrawny. You've got some junk in the trunk. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> He's it's not junk in the trunk. It's clack on the track. Ah! <laughs> 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 Looks down at the extra armor that I acquired during the fight, which takes the form of, as a reminder, shoulder blades um, where I would, where my ass would be. I was just like, uh... I suppose you are right. Walks away. Uh, speaking of um curses, I don't know what you can call that, but <laughs> you're a uh, junk in the trunk. <laughs> but I was wondering, because I don't get very many interactions with um is supernaturally uh, afflicted folk, but I-, I just wanted to see if anybody here knew Anything about curses? Imhotep raises his hand. I am able to grant those. Uh, to, to grant those? Well, would you have any ability to remove them? Why would I want to remove a curse? Um, maybe you accidentally cursed at someone. Someone else walked in the way and you're like, whoops, I hit the wrong person. I shoot, I gotta undo that. And um, I guess uh, so on and so forth. Oh my God, you're cursed. No. No, I have um Roll Deception. God, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> the Phantom goes, Oh my god, you're cursed. Emotep goes, Oh, Cyrus, you're cursed. <laughs> oh crap, I'm cursed. What is it? I rolled a three plus plus three. It's a six, but it's a six. Uh no one believes you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Who among you has the highest passive perception? Minus thirteen. Thirteen. Minus fourteen. Uh, 12. Frankenstein monster, you notice that as Larry is kind of keeping his truth hidden to himself, you notice the skin that is holding on to the silver tip of his cane is slightly singed. Mm-hmm. Actually, speaking of which, uh, as we're walking, I'm going to try to be closer to the invisible man. I assume man. that the curse <clears throat> is that hair, right? Oh, what's wrong with my hair? A bat lives in it. Well, that's a fairly new development. I, I don't know <laughs> quite how I feel about that Cursed, yet. I assume. Yes, I'm cursed with a terrible case of bedhead. We'll get that cleared right up. We'll figure it out. Caprison Batholomew Karnstein nuzzles up against your head oh. and lets out a small squeak. <laughs> uh, so as we're walking, I kind of keep pace a little bit up to Wolfman. I tear off a piece of cloth, the cleanest piece of cloth off my shirt, and I tap his shoulder. I was like, here, for your hand. I look at him, eyes wide, because... I didn't even realize that my hand had been burning. As the monster goes away, Imhotep comes to the other side, puts his hand on Larry's shoulder. When we find lodgings, speak with me in private. I would know the nature of this curse. And he kind of looks at the card and says, and of your friend. Only Imhotep and Larry hear this, but there's a small dial tone that comes out of the Hierophant card. Wait, let me see what card it is today. Oh, that's right. You need to draw your card of the day my card of the day, which is strength. And what that card looks like, it's a lion that looks like it ate something it wasn't supposed to, and there's a lady trying to open his (laughs) mouth. Uh, Spit it out, spit it out. Give it, drop it, drop it. That's oddly fitting. Um, What does strength give you? You temporarily gain plus one to your strength modifier, and you are considered proficient in all saving throws. Wonderful. Damn, all right. Two ever not engaged in <laughs> gripping I boss know. fight. Last time when we were fighting a boss, I could pickpocket him, but now that we're having a wonderful walk and talk through the park, I can suplex everybody. Nice. Sweet. So yeah, if Maleva were to call, she would be the woman trying to get a piece of food out of the lion's mouth. So only Wolfman and Imhotep here coming out of the strength card. There is just a small dial tone that happens as soon as Imhotep references the card speaking that is like a little bit of a phone off the receiver noise with a slight, almost imperceptible. We're sorry. Your ley line has been disconnected. Please try again. They seem wonderful. They, they certainly are wonderful. 
But if they're not listening in, I I might be able to divulge a little bit more information. But um, we'll we'll have to see when we get there how secure everything is. And I look up to the sky and I think to myself, I still have a little bit of time. Hopefully we can get there quickly. With all this kind of going on and maybe some time has already passed, Jack's going to be talking to Emotep. You, your name is Emotep. Yes. How did you come to these lands? It is not as nice as I would like to admit, though I did come by ship. In a box, my sarcophagus. It was a very long voyage. So do you need your sarcophagus or is that tied to the way that you are? I'm I'm trying to grasp this whole magic that's around me for some odd reason. Now. I have left it in a temple in a place that is clearly not London. I do not require my sarcophagus. It was simply the easiest way to transport the remains of a person without drawing attention to myself. Kind of motioning to the fact that he's a skeleton. So you also had, you had something taken from you that looked like a scroll. It not looked like a scroll, it was a scroll. I just wanted to confirm that. Are you speaking loud enough for the group to hear or just between Um, you two? I mean, for me, like Jack is keeping kind of like a low tone, but... Emotep could be talking however he's like. He really doesn't care. He's just at full volume. It was a scroll. They stole a scroll from me. I want Larry to turn around and say, a scroll? Oh, that's so cool. What what, what was Spells, on it? Spells, incantations, abilities and powers beyond a normal mortal's understanding. In my life, I was able to grasp them, but it was only in death that I was able to fully understand the powers that lie within, which is why I must get it and the rest back. That's amazing, but also very terrifying. You should be afraid. (gasps) That's my secret cap. I'm always afraid. (laughs) (laughs) So having this scroll, was that what kind of directed you to come here? Or what was it that essentially brought you to this area? Like, I... I have been using a network and searching for the remaining scrolls that were taken from my tomb. I had brought with me the scroll of Thoth, and I had heard that there was a chance that another scroll, the scroll of Anubis, would be here. As it would seem, I have walked away with neither the scroll of Anubis nor the possession of the scroll of Thoth any longer. What do these scrolls do? Are they how you uh, change your appearance? No, that is simply the fact that I am good at magic. Could, is it a, a teachable skill? <laughs> he kind of looks the phantom over and not knowing what's under the mask, he just kind of says, you have a form that I imagine would be appealing to many. I do not understand why you would wish to change you know, it. reasons, any kind. <laughs> I could only assume it has something to do with the other half. Yes, you could only assume. <laughs> and we all know what they say about when you assume. You make an ass of yourself and you look stupid. Yeah. <laughs> So what would you have to say if Rainer got his hands on both of them or let's just say all the scrolls? Oh, if he got his hands on all of these scrolls, I would sooner throw myself to the Desherets and be buried by the sand again than see what happens. So long story short, we want to keep it out of his hands. Long story short, we should retrieve the scrolls, yes. Great job so far. Imhotep doesn't even look at the phantom and his eyes just do that turn red thing. So he's just staring at Jack and he just, he hears that and Jack just sees his eyes turn red. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe it's something as simple as it's just magic, but how is it that you were reanimated? This, again, I'm, I'm still trying to grasp this new concept. I don't assume lightning was involved, was it? I was buried under the ground in the desert. And then struck by lightning. <laughs> Looks at the uh, monster for approval. I just crack a smile. If the concepts of magic are difficult for you to handle, I do not believe that the concepts of the divinities playing a part in your mortal world will be any easier for you to understand. I'm, I'm very much trying to force myself to take information as is and not question whether it is or is not true because clearly you're and forgive me for saying this if it is offensive but you're clearly a walking skeleton 
and we've also got a reanimated body that we saw, and we have a, and again, to you, um, Frankenstein, I think it was. Uh, Mary. Mary. Um, Frankenstein's my father's name. Well, the last name anyway, but I decided to call myself Mary after a certain someone. Please, Mary. <laughs> Dr. Frankenstein was my father. Oh my god. <laughs> In my normal life, none of this would be possible, but clearly all of this is happening. We have magic cards. We have a uh, large being here. We've uh, witnessed a reanimated corpse, and we have a walking skeleton, and we have, I don't know, what Phantom is, but as far as I'm a aware... A little bit rude, that. <laughs> as, as far as I'm aware, all of us have something going for us. At least five of us have something going for us, right? Well, I mean, if you like, we can always play some hide-and-seek. I don't think it'll go the same way it went last time. We could always try it out later on. But as I said, I'm trying to understand this whole new world that I've stumbled into. I, I was given a little bit of information, and I'd been investigating, and it led me here. I'd like to cue up a conversation. Since it's like um, Invisible Man with Emotep up front, and then the three of us in back, Larry wants to ask, So, Eric, uh, what's your uh, story of sorts? How did someone like you end up in a place like this? Well, uh, the way th things are, people <laughs> move, you know, uh, Paris was getting old. You know they say it's out of fashion here in whatever century uh, it is. Oh, out of fashion? In Europe, yes, of course, right? Well, of course. I know so nothing I, about that sort of thing, so. Uh, so I needed a change of scenery. Oh, uh, all right, uh, fair enough. And so you found yourself at St. Mary's Cathedral? Hotels are so uh, passe now, oh. you know, staying uh, in a place yeah. where people look at you and and talk to you and are near you. Oh, oh so you like isolation. Of course, by choice. Uh, yes. By choice. <laughs> yes, I, I can understand that. Really quickly, Dan... Can I roll an insight check on what the Phantom is saying just to see if I understand how much of it that is what he's actually feeling versus Absolutely. like trying to bullshit us? Uh, both of you roll opposed. You roll insight, um, Phantom roll deception. Fantastic. I'm so sorry, Imhotep. Oh my god, nat one. Oh. 24. 24? <laughs> 19 plus five. Oh, and with the nat one. <laughs> <laughs> he knows your life story. <laughs> Wait, I know that guy. Aren't you from that musical? Well, of course oh, I know him. He's me. <laughs> Imhotep, you can see right through his bluster to the pain at the core of it. And you can sympathize being an outsider who was ostracized yourself. So he's staring right into the phantom's eyes as he says all this and his eyes turn a very soft shade of green well that's a new one i like that he's such a mood light <laughs> he's literally <laughs> moodering yeah <laughs> he's staring like almost into your soul and he says nothing as you talk and while that's happening i would like to say to the phantom well if you don't mind us accompanying you on finding a, a new locale and and you don't mind helping us track down Rainer, I think at the very least it will be an interesting way to pass the time. I'd like to chime in over to uh, um, Larry and uh, Phantom's conversation. Also, if you need some help trying to stay out of the limelight, so to speak, I have a few tips I could give you. Out of the limelight? Now, now don't <laughs> insult me. <laughs> well, thank you, all of you, uh, that I can see anyway. <laughs> Uh, I'm happy Damn. to carry you along with me. And I press to digitate like little muscles under what? my <laughs> sleeves. They're just like little air pockets that look buff. So you got like the SpongeBob inflatable arms? Absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> I want to squeeze them. Uh, Phantom, roll a straight D20 on how impressive they are. <laughs> okay, okay. Four. Oh. Oh. They give oh. a little squeak sound. He's doing his flex, and I just like take my index finger and thumb. I just like kind of <laughs> give a little squish to it, and I imagine I hear a little squeaky toy sound as I squeeze it. I go, hmm, 
And I just keep walking. It's like a whoopee cushion, just... It does the Fred Flintstone thing where there's a big muscle there, you push down on it, and then it droops down the other way. (laughs) A little bit of color begins to come into the sky as the sun is slowly starting to rise. And as you continue to make your way down the trail, it begins to bob and weave and gets a little bit boggy. A fog starts to lift up as the morning mist is starting to meet the morning sun. Everything begins to kind of billow a little bit around you. Squinting at the signpost that kind of marks a little bit of a fork in the road that you come across, you can see that it's pointing to the west and then pointing to the northwest. Pointing to the west, Stratford, 20 miles. Pointing to the northwest, Stratford upon Avon, the one you actually want to go to. 200 miles. Is that what the sign says? I was just going to say, that's an interesting (laughs) sign. Sorry, Mm -hmm. not miles. I should say kilometers because we are in Europe. No, 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 no. The Brits use miles. The Brits use miles? Yeah, the Brits use miles. Let's just say it has miles and kilometers. I'm much more curious about the, does the sign say the one you actually (laughs) want to go to on it? Uh, That's painted over. So it says Stratford-upon-Avon, and then painted over, it's X'd out and says, The Tourist Stratford. The Fun Stratford. (laughs) The Fun Stratford. And then the one that's pointing directly west that just says Stratford has a little sign hanging down on it and says, If you're here for theater, you're at the wrong Stratford. I say we go northwest. Does the book give any inclination on which Stratford to go to? The book says Stratford. Just Stratford. All right. I like the sound of the Stratford you want to go to. That sounds very I nice. I refuse to go to any Stratford without theater if there is a Stratford with theater. <laughs> then I guess we must go. But, um, if that turns out to be then, the wrong Stratford, but, uh, then at least there's I, another Stratford uh, we can check. Exactly. And it's a mere 200 <laughs> I, um, units of distance uh, between them. And that's fine. A, um, oh, I that's believe kind of far, that the it? village of Stratford was supposed to be closer than 200. Wait, I th- was it 200 miles or 20 kilometers? 20 miles. The one with the theater and the art is 200 miles, and the other one is only 20. All right, let's head to the closer one, take a bathroom break, get some snacks, and then we'll head to the Oh, yes, no, I can't wait to take a break, see a show at the theater. (laughs) Oh, wait! (laughs) Uh, Everyone roll perception. I got a 19. I got a 21. Oh, we got this. I got a 22. Oh. Nine. Wolfman, the Frankenstein monster, and the Invisible Man, the three of you hear faintly coming from your west a small chanting of three voices. Double, double, toil and trouble, fire burn and cauldron bubble. Fill it up, then snake in the cauldron boil and bake. I am new dento, a frog, wool, a bat, a ton of dog. Adders, hawk, and blind worms sting, lizard lake, and howlets wing. For a charm of powerful trouble. Like a hell broth, boil and bubble. Phantom's like, oh, I love Shakespeare. I actually don't hear it. I'm <laughs> caught up. <laughs> oh, that's true. I, just, I perk up. I was like, does anyone else hear the opening lines to Macbeth? You can't just go saying that word. <laughs> what? Opening lines? Is this more magic that's coming our way? It's magic or worse, community theater. I flinch. (laughs) (laughs) As you keep an ear out to listen for more, the three voices start to get a bit more hushed. You overhear, like at the tail end of it, one of the three voices says, Let them believe what they will. Well, I'll let you make the decisions around here. No, we must be honest with them. They must believe in what we are capable of. That is not the plan, Sister Sycorax. Keep it to yourself and follow my lead. This is my coven. Oh, both of you believe what you will. All of a sudden, all of the talking ceases completely, and the fog begins to dry up around you. And you can see as the fog lifts that it was emanating from an area to the west. What I'm learning is fog is bad. Oh, look at this place. Delightful. And as the fog fades, the last place to fade out is a small cauldron that is left behind 
about a hundred feet away, there's a small pond in between a couple of little creeks that has kind of sitting just above the water level. Um, there's a cauldron sticking up out of it and the fog begins to fade from their last. Jack isn't going to know necessarily if this is good or bad. Just going to walk out and kind of announce, ladies, would you care to help us? Oh, it seems like you were calling out to us for some odd reason. If there's something that involves us, I wonder if we can be partners uh, in this. Roll perception. Ooh, I got a nat 20. Nat 20. Um, they're gone. Uh, well, that's a waste. They vanish without a trace, but because you rolled a nat 20, you notice something in the cauldron. There is something left behind as the fog okay. dissipates. Um, I was just going to ask if there was anything that I saw from essentially this distance. Like, is it possibly threatening? Like, do I get a feeling of it? Or You do sense that getting closer would not be immediately dangerous if you wanted to get a better look. Imhotep kind of um, begins to chant to himself, holds his arcane focus, and I cast Detect Magic. Okay, can you describe the Detect Magic spell? For the duration of up to 10 minutes, you sense the presence of magic within 30 feet of you. I'm within 20 feet. If you sense magic this way, you can use your action to see a faint aura around any visible creature or object in the area that bears magic, and you learn its school of magic, if any. All right. With that, you can sense that there is an object in the cauldron that is emitting a magical aura. All right, for also for flavor text, as Imhotep goes up, I also go up kind of behind the tree to kind of guard it. And I shout over to Imhotep. I was like, is it safe or do we need to stand back? It is definitely magic in nature. I suggest taking a step back. I will examine this. Muttering as he looks down in the mud, steps down into it because he's wearing sandals. So it just like squishes like. Ugh. And he makes his way down to the cauldron and leans over it, looks inside. Even though Emotep told us to stay back, I'm going to get like a little bit closer just because if he's going to get closer, then I want to see what's going to happen because Jack's just curious about magic right now. Okay. Both of you roll Arcana. So I got an 18. Unnatural 20. Basically, Emotep pulls from the cauldron a cloak that is covered in patches. <gasps> oh my God. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Your um, high perception rolls can tell that it is the patches themselves that are emanating magic from the item. So uh, this cloak... Ah, I love this item! <laughs> Daniel's so excited. <laughs> I've used this item in my own games and I love it. It's so good. Oh, no. So um, <laughs> you feel an energy coming out of this cloak and you can tell that the magic in this will be beneficial to you in some way, shape, or form, but you are getting a mixed signal. You're sensing some benevolent magic coming from the patches, but you're sensing something a little bit more sinister from the robe itself. Emotep, what did you what did you find? Can I sense that it's hideous? Uh, yes, you don't need to roll for that. <laughs> wow. It's got, if it's the item that I think it is, and I'm pretty sure it is, it looks like it's got a bunch of like Boy Scout patches all Tacky. over. Tacky. <laughs> It is a pretty tall, pretty spacious robe, and it's covered with a whole bunch of stitched on patches. They are not covering up any rips or tears in it. It seems like it's mostly a um, cosmetic addition, though there is no rhyme or reason to the patterning and the color scheme of it. More like a cosmetic subtraction. Multep <laughs> kind of looks at the, at the cloak, spins it back and forth. Daniel so wants to put this cloak on, but Imhotep is going to kind of fold it, drape it over his arm. I will examine this further when we reach Stratford, the one that is up this path, the one that we should be going on, the one that is only 20 miles away. The theater one? No. Yes. Not the theater one. The opposite of the theater one. Then it's the one we shouldn't be going to. I would like to uh, run up to Emotep and whisper in his ear, maybe if we convince him that the closer one is the theater one, then he'll want to go. As you whisper that into Emotep's ear, you hear the clip-clopping of a horse's footsteps coming from up towards the north on the path that winds around towards Stratford-upon-Avon. And a horse and carriage begins to move down the path. Oh, 
Uh, Phantom will dive directly in front of it to stop it. I will hide in this tree <laughs> to stay away. Uh, Phantom, roll perception. 16. With a 16, you hear from inside the carriage a couple of panicked and exasperated voices that say basically a variation on Good God, I've had enough terrible theater for one day. First that god-awful play and now this? (laughs) Phantom will, because I assume I'm already on the ground. I dove in front of it. Uh, I will now inchworm (laughs) off of the road. That's such a great visual. As the horse rears up just missing you the carriage gets a little bit stuck in the murky boggy road and the complaining from inside of the carriage gets a little bit louder and just oh one other thing that makes our day so ruined i knew we never should have gone to stratford upon avon (laughs) a family of four climbs out of the carriage and begins to walk around and assess the situation to see if they can pull it off they um are so distraught and they are so aggravated, I guess, is the word I'm looking for, Um, as they're making their way circling around this, they all basically get down on the ground to start lifting the carriage out of the mud. And all of their attention is like, they don't even notice any of you because they are so worked up and so frustrated. I'm gonna walk over to Mary and ask, so what do you think? Well, from first glance, just looks like a normal family. I saw a really bad play doesn't seem to be in much trouble but of course if i go out there they're probably gonna run scream for their lives and then who knows what will descend upon us i'd like to cast charm person on the patriarch all right that is a wisdom save that is yes it must make a wisdom saving throw and that is a six and my dc is 13 as the father makes one big heave on the carriage he makes eye contact with you, Phantom, and then is completely bewitched and won over by your charms. If you want to describe how that happens, I will throw that over to you, and then I'll tell you what he does next. Uh, we make eye contact, and I put out my hands to the side, as if, like, seeing an old friend at the supermarket that you didn't expect to see, like, oh my god! And then I assume he does the same, and I walk over, absolutely push his son into the bog, like, to get out of the way. <laughs> And then walk up and embrace him and then tell him that I need the carriage. He says, oh, you, buddy, um, I I know you. Uh, we we go way back. Um, honey, this is uh, uh, well, this is this is my wife, Clara, clearly doing the move of trying to get you to introduce yourself as he pretends he knows who you are. Jack sees them being very cordial and picks up a rock and attempts to throw it at the man. Make an athletics roll for that. I don't think that's going to be very good. I introduced myself as Jack, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, Jack. Um, I, I saw this man at one of the greatest performances of my life. We, uh, we were, we're down in, um, in the, Spanish? Countryside, French, French countryside. Um, and we I got a 14, uh, by the way. Uh, 14? Yes. So let me have him roll dexterity. Nat 20. Oof. Oh, okay. So as he scratches his head to try to figure out where specifically he has seen Phantom before, he like brings his head down to think and the rock just sails right over it. <laughs> <laughs> When there's a moment, I would like Larry to notice, like, oh, it looks like Phantom is friends with that man, and his card is stuck in the mud. Well, I'm feeling awful strong today with my strength card. (laughs) You should go over and help them. Okay. I'm just going to keep chucking rocks at the guy. (laughs) Okay, so he brings his head down as he says, yeah, I saw you at a play in in Germany, Spain. No, No, it was France. It was definitely France. Rock sails over. He... Stands back up, and then as the invisible man readies another rock, he leans up against the carriage, and Jack, you throw it for right where he was, and it sails right past him again. <laughs> and he says, um, boy, you were so great in uh, in the in the nut cre- no no Faust. Um I, one of those plays, uh, honey, this is the greatest actor ever. Um, so if he says he needs our carriage, it's gotta be important. And you know, I really, I think, 
getting some fresh country air would be exactly what we need to do. There's only there's another town a good uh, like 20 miles away from here. I think the walk would do us good. And um, the kids start complaining. The kid that's in the lake that got pushed in struggles to get to his feet and says, um, uh, but father, I, I don't want to walk. And the dad pushes his son back into the bog and says, son, you're embarrassing me in front of my friend. Yes. As he pushes his son into the lake, he moves forward past another rock thrown by the invisible man, exactly where he was. Imhotep is just over in the distance, just watching all this, just slack jawed. Uh, And then at this point, Larry, you can go ahead and uh, make a strength roll to try and pull the carriage out of the mud. Oh, hey, everyone. Anyone a friend of his is a friend of mine. And I see your cart is stuck in the mud here. And and that's just a regular throw, right? That's not like a saving throw? Yep, just a regular strength check. Uh, okay. That'll be a 12. I'm still a weak boy. With a 12, you're able to kind of pull it up a little bit. You can't fix it and get it unstuck, but you can loosen it a little bit. And with help, you would be able to, like with one or two other people pushing with you, get this carriage back upright. You're not going to make my friend try this alone, are you? I could get some help over here. Uh, That would be great. And the daughter says, but daddy, I don't want to. And then he pushes her into the bog and says, you're ruining this for me. And the mom bends down to start picking the two kids up out of the bog and whispers to them, "Uh, we're going to have a serious talk later. He is in big, big trouble. (laughs) And the husband is just completely ignoring it and is just awestruck with Phantom. And he says, of of course, we'll all we'll all come to the help, won't we? And um, like rushes the kids and the wife to help prop up the carriage. As he does so, he runs and jumps right over another rock thrown by Invisible Man (laughs) as he leaps with joy. Dang, this guy's impressive. This guy's more dexterous than me. (laughs) When I say Imhotep's jaw is slack, he's physically holding it because it just fell off. (laughs) He's holding it at about chest level. I am just hiding in my tree, just watching <laughs> from afar, and I could not believe... If my job was movable, it'd probably be on the floor, too. In the meantime, the four of them join the Wolfman, and they all give one big concentrated heave. So, Wolfman, go ahead and make another strength check with advantage. Oh, it's another 12. Well, the family rolled an 18. Oh my gosh. I'm just holding my hands on it and they're doing all the work. They're doing all of the heavy lifting. You're doing the leveraging and positioning. So working together, they are able to get this carriage unstuck. So it is now (laughs) out of the mud back in movable condition. And the husband is excitedly handing over the reins to the phantom while the rest of his family is like struggling to try and slap him out of his hands and pull him back. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I slip him a card with my like telegram information on it for like my personal home in France. And he says, oh, I knew I recognized you from somewhere. It was the Paris Opera House. Oh, I loved seeing the plays there, but didn't, oh my God, didn't that place go up in flames? Uh, I would like to hop into the carriage, and as it rolls away, I'd like it to go over his foot. Ah! <laughs> I would like to say that I jumped in the carriage as well. Imhotep doesn't even pierce the veil. He just walks up, like, basically defeated. Just walks right past the family as a skeleton, gets into the carriage and says, Thank you for letting my friend borrow your carriage. I hesitate to use the word friend, but I'm afraid that... I'm afraid that as Imhotep walks up to the carriage, the family recoils in fear and shocked, the dad steps back directly into a rock thrown by the invisible man, (laughs) gets conked in the head and falls into the bog. And then the carriage begins to take off a little bit. And as he tries to like pull himself out of the water, it rolls over his foot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You really know how to give the people what they want. All of us got what we wanted. <laughs> so I see Imhotep just walking up to the carriage. I'm like, oh, okay. And I start walking over to the carriage as well. They scream in terror and struggle to try and bring the dad up out of the bog. And uh, they all kind of scramble and peel off back as the carriage pulls forward. I just forward. wave I call to the out family. To them, like, there's no reason to worry. This is all a theater thing. And we're all actors. Right, buddy? I elbow Phantom. Sure. <laughs> yeah. As the carriage peels off away, the dad comes to his senses and shakes his head and says, 
Wait a second, I don't even like theater! I think we've been conned. <laughs> While that's happening, Jack's just holding onto the back of the carriage and just like tips his hat and just says, thank you. I am sure those children are going to grow up with the deep fear of roads, horses, carriages, skeletons. Uh, how much more trauma can they apply oh, to these children? They're going to hate the headless horseman story. Oh, it's fine. Imhotep, just like because the, he might as well at this point. Uh, on the on the way out, he snaps his fingers and just causes a thunder boom, like point blank where they are from oh. Islamaturgy, just to add the last little bit of trauma because fuck it. Oh god. His logic at this point is it's like, might as well go for the 10 out of 10 on the trauma card. <laughs> oh god. And then you pull off down the road and make your way towards Stratford. Yay. As you pull into the town, the sun is high up in the sky. You pass by another couple of signposts that say, are you really sure you want this Stratford? And then a last one that says, okay, we tried to warn you, the other Stratford's the interesting one. And then you pull into the town of Stratford. And you see kind of milling about this big open town. It's a nice little folksy area with a little bit of greenery. It's a small residential community. And you see kind of moving about the town. There's a fair amount of people out and about. And what you immediately notice that kind of puts you off a little bit is everyone around here is wearing weirdly extravagant clothing. Go ahead, everybody roll perception. I rolled 23. Very nice. Six. I got 11. Not one. Oh. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron, stop that. Stop that, Aaron. <laughs> I'm just really enjoying the part where we stole a carriage. <laughs> yeah, I still think we're running off that high. <laughs> I had a 15. With a 15, you notice that basically this is for a rural kind of more farmy community. They are way wealthier than they should be. And you see a lot of people running around in like really expensive stuff. What the Frankenstein monster sees, kind of scattered throughout, two or three what appear to be vampires, just kind of in and around the town. You see one that is in front of your carriage off to the side, about like 20 feet away from you towards the east. There is one vampire with very long fangs that is looking very old and haggard with sharp pointy ears that is huddled up in a small patchwork blanket that is like licking its lips and looking really weak and weary. And way off in the distance, you see a crowd gathering around a vampire that looks a little bit more well off, but still is completely surrounded on all sides by soldiers. In the day? Like midday? Midday. Well, I turn back to the group and uh, I, I imagine I have the window seat and, and that's how I was able to see everything. Were you sticking your head out the window? Yeah, I like the way the wind <laughs> feels. I turn back to the group and I say, this crowd seems very bougie. They're, they're dressed to the nines. I was just sitting on the back of the carriage, just kind of like watching everything go by. Like when you're sitting in, uh, oh my goodness, what are those vehicles called where you get to sit in the very back seat and you get to wave at the cars driving behind Car, you? A station wagon? Yeah, probably. I would like to add on to Larry's thing that Imhotep, who was sitting next to Larry, who is now sticking his head out the window, is like, that is fantastic to hear, Larry. Can you please remove your, what is the word, um, butt from my face and sit back down in the carriage? The wind is just going by my ears and I just say, what? <laughs> he just mutters a quiet curse to himself oh, as he's no. got Larry's butt right in his face. And then the carriage comes to a stop as a couple of kids jump in front of it with their hands out. They cross their arms and plant their feet and say, you can't pass unless you pay the toll and stick their hands out. I say we hit the kids. Imhotep at this point grabs Larry, pulls him into the window and then leans out. Whoa. What? <laughs> what toll do children Require. 20 gold pieces, or we call the guards. You wouldn't want us to call the guards, would you? You wouldn't hurt two innocent little kids. And then um, one of the two kids punches the other one in the face as hard as he can. 
and says, Why would you do that to a poor defenseless kid? God! I'll snap the reins right now. But say, Imhotep is like still leaning out the window, but he kind of looks back at everybody and goes, I think we should hit the kids. Let's hit the kids. Or better yet, I just jump up and I just yell, Move! And the kids do not budge. Damn, for me to intimidate them? Okay, guess they're strong as kids. They are not intimidated by you. And a swarm of 15 guards well, makes shit. their way over to you and immediately surrounds the carriage. Oh my god. Leaning his head out the window, he looks back in. I don't think we should hit the kids. <laughs> <laughs> the kids run off and hide behind a little cottage nearby. And one of the guards comes up and says, what's all this fuss about? And Wotep pokes his head back in to the carriage, pierces the veil, and pokes his head out the carriage again. <laughs> the whole Sailor Moon transformation sequence. <laughs> so, there has been a misunderstanding. We are merely coming into town. What could we have caused from the comfort of our carriage? All right. Is there anything supernatural going on in there? Of of course not. Nothing shittier than some poorly raised kids. Heyo. Oh. Everyone oh. as a group roll deception with disadvantage. Oh shit. Oh. <laughs> that was a seven. Four. My, my lowest was a four. Now I do have a nat one. <laughs> oh. oh no. I had a five. I got a 14. Uh-huh. So um, as a group, you fail that deception check. And the guard puts his hands on his hips, kind of gives a head signal to the others to block in your carriage and says, right. All right, we're going to give you a free pass because you're new here, but we don't take kindly to the supernatural here. You got to honor certain rules and agreements if you're going to set foot in Stratford. Our normal people here just want to live normal, comfortable lives. So... Any of you high and mighty dangers and threats to our normality have to pay your tithes by order of our town sovereign. You do not want to mess with Gonzo. Uh, quoi? The, Gonzo. The vampire that is looking really worn down and ragged kind of peers his head in your direction and looks over, craning to see what the group is doing. And recoils back a little bit at the sound of the name Gonzo. Like the Muppet? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly where I was thinking. I'm like, Imhotep just sits and says, G Gonzo. Gonzo? He leans back, he like leans back to the group. There is a man here named Gonzo. That is not the real name, is it? I don't think so. It's a silly name. He looks like nerds. Is that the real name? You got a problem with the name Gonzo? <laughs> No, of course not. <laughs> uh, the bat-haired one and I are just regular people. Could we just send this carriage away and hang out? I don't trust any one of you who associates with these freaks, but for 25 gold, I might be willing to forget about it, and then we don't have to escalate this and get Gonzo involved. I'd like to press the digitate a sack full of fake gold. Nice. <laughs> Roll perfect. Performance. Oh, please, Aaron, not another nat one. Well, I got an unnatural 20 already. Yes. Do we need to do anything more than that, or does he just take it? With the unnatural 20, you have created what convincingly looks and feels like a bag of money from the so outside. So I'm going to go ahead and jump off the carriage and hold my hands up with my gloves, let him know that like I mean no harm. And from what I understand, press digitate gives you something physical. A non-magical trinket, yes. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and grab the bag very carefully and tell the guard, by all means, thank you so much for your generosity. If you would like to go back to the tavern or wherever it is that you and your men uh, have your jolly good times. Roll either deception or persuasion. Also, above the table, Grayson, just so you know, I cannot create a bunch of gold pieces inside of it. So if they go somewhere to spend it, we are fucked 10 minutes from now. <laughs> okay. You might want to phrase it a little uh, differently. Well, I, don't, I don't know if Dan is going to let us like, retcon Make that. your deception roll. You're not retconning it. God yeah. damn it. Yeah, I figured. Um, so that's, <laughs> that's going to be an 18. All right. Okay. Okay. He nods his head and says, glad to see you get the picture. All right, man. Let him go. But we're keeping an eye on you. 
the crowd of guards disperses. Uh, the and, Phantom um, is aware that this is not going to work at all. I would like to use one of my costumes that I have. Okay, describe what you do. I replace my tuxedo and cape and gorgeous slacks and perfect shoes with some very basic leather boots, some working class colored, so like tan and mauve pants and shirt and vest and an absolutely over the top sun hat with like a big carnation on one side and then like a rose on the other. So you're able to go ahead and do that freely, and as you step out of the carriage and you look around, you notice that you are dressed uh, more meagerly than almost anyone around you. It's upsetting. (laughs) (laughs) And the vampire that was kind of off to the side and watching this whole ordeal is looking at you in awe and kind of crawls a little bit towards you and says with a a desperate plea, Please, you, you seem to have some means about yourselves. I I am in desperate need of some blood. I am so weak. I can feel my life force leaving. Can any of you please spare an ounce or a, a pint would be preferable of blood and send it my way? Blood. Ew, gross. I'm like I back up. Nose goes. I did it last time. Um <laughs> Is everyone outside of the carriage at this point, or are some of you still inside? Yeah, I would say that I'm outside. Yeah, yeah we'll say we're out. I, I, Okay, I guess I'm outside the carriage, because I was like, I'm not moving. Because if I go, I was thinking if I go outside, those guards are going to be like, they're like, no supernatural stuff. They like, take a look at me and go, oh shit. As you step out of the carriage, the vampire sees you, Frankenstein monster, lights up and begins to crawl towards you and says, oh, please, please, you, you look so strong. And so hearty, like you have quantities of blood to spare. Please, I beg of you, let me partake from one of your veins. Oh, God, I'm so uncomfortable. (laughs) I don't think you want to partake from my veins, old man. I am so desperate. If I do not drink within the hour, I will wither away into dust. And you can see some of the tips of his fingernails begin to turn into ash and begin to fall away from his hands. And he is not bluffing. He will die if he doesn't get any blood within the hour. The bandaged one is just a human. You can have him. Um. (laughs) I suppose if he's willing, I beggars cannot be choosers, but you look like you have so much vitality in you, sir. I would really appreciate a bite. (laughs) All right, so he's not bluffing. So Mary's going to look and go, okay. I give you a bite, you give us a place to stay, and you tell us everything we want to know about this town. All right, I can I can get you passage to the vampire nest, but please, let me, I am so thirsty. <sighs> can I make a con roll? Because Jordan's feeling kind of queasy, so I can't imagine that Wolfman's doing much better. Go ahead, uh, roll to not throw up. And in the meantime, this vampire, he kind of hovers between your neck and your wrist, Frankenstein monster, and sort of indicates asking where you are comfortable. I show my wrist and I tell him, "Is like, but before you bite, no, I warned you first. And I let him have my wrist. He immediately sinks his teeth in and takes a pint of blood from you. <laughs> Ow. And then I got a five from my con roll, so oh, geez. that feels about uh, right. You throw up. <laughs> <laughs> All over the vampire. <laughs> Ew. No, just off to the side. If I rolled a nat one, it would have yeah. been all over him. All right, so Frankenstein oh monster, God, take Iggy. a d6 plus three of damage. What? Oh. He's a turkey. All right, boy. so you take eight damage, and then some vitality begins to return to it, and it starts to solidify a little bit more, and it looks really satiated. And um, it looks pleased for a moment before a look of horror sweeps across its face as it realizes it has just ingested dead man's blood. Told you. And it's going to roll a D100. A what? To see what happens. Because 
Vampires sustain on the blood of the living. They can subsist on the blood of the dead, but they typically choose not to because the effects are completely unpredictable with their physiology. So, he's gonna roll a d100. <laughs> Wee! Hey, I warned him. He rolled a 61, so for the next minute, he can exclusively shout <laughs> <No>! when speaking. <laughs> Oh, oh, this is Lord. gonna be bad if he's trying to tell us something oh, secret. God. Oh, oh, Lord. <laughs> As the horror sweeps over his face, he convulses for a moment, and then his jaw falls a little bit more slack than before. And he shouts at you, um, Thank you so much for your service. Please follow me this way. And he begins to move north. And um, he introduces himself. My name is Count Orlock. I used to be somewhat of a big deal around these parts, but I've since fallen out of fortune and favor, and no one really remembers me anymore. But I am glad to have new acquaintances in town. Here, I will take you to our nest where you can be assured of your safety and your comfort. Mm. That was loud. Larry's uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) And he brings you straight up a path through the north, and you kind of dodge and weave in between various peasants that are dressed to the nines and look at you with a little bit of disdain. Most of them are kind of keeping to themselves. They don't really want anything to do with you, so they tend to leave you alone. Um, The little kids that harassed you before basically run up to your carriage and try to peek in to steal something, but their parents come and pull them away and bring them back in home. Uh, Actually, real quickly. So here's what happens. The kids run up to the carriage to start seeing things. Imhotep turns around, snaps his fingers, and thaumaturgies the door shut and it just slams on them. (laughs) And uh, as you do, they kind of reel back in shock and say, how rude. And then their parents come in and drag them Yay. away. One more, one more thaumaturgy. Um, I, I make the, uh, I cause the sound of a raven calling, but it's specific. It's like, <laughs> As the children are being dragged away and they say, we're going to remember that. <laughs> Children will remember that. Quietly to himself, good, I hope you do. And Count Orlock escorts you up the street, and there's a very large communal building at the north side of this town. As you go towards what appears to be bright and welcoming front doors, he veers sharply off to the side and brings you around the back. And there is the hinges of basically a cellar latch that look pretty old and run down and he loosens the latch and pulls open both sides of the wooden frame to reveal a staircase going down. And he stands at the head next to the stairs, gestures down and says, "Um, I cannot go any further than this, but I hope that you understand my appreciation for what you have done for me. I, if you ever are in need of some additional help, And it is something that I can assist with. I would be happy to provide you what you need. You have saved me from an untimely demise. And for that, I will eternally be in your service. And he gestures down the stairs. The stairs go up to a door that is in far better shape than the latch was. And hanging above it is a sign that says... Let me find my notes for what it says. Um, also, I was going to say, before we go, I wanted to ask the old vampire if he knew Carmilla. Oh, interesting question. Very interesting question. I'm going to say, as you ask him that, he kind of perks up and says, Oh, why, yes, I I have not heard that name in quite a long time. I, I believe I have come across her in my travels, and... I believe she was the most prosperous of my spawn. Really? Interesting. Of your spawn? Well, just know that we are all in good company then, because we we had a hand in assisting her back into this world. You what now? 
He recoils in fear and says, I, I changed my mind. This is as far as my help will give you. I want nothing to do with her. And uh, he takes off. Oh, no, no, no. Son of a bitch. Oh, well. (laughs) Excellent. Now, not only do we not have a place to stay, we have children who have already called the guards on us. And now they're angry at us. And we have nowhere to stay. (laughs) Wonderful. Glad I did all of that. Phantom would like to say to Jack, oh, so you have that effect on everyone. (laughs) If you didn't have inspiration before, you do now. <laughs> Yay! I'm just sitting there like, you scared away my vampire butler, you son of a well, bitch. maybe we can encounter him somewhere down the line and explain ourselves, but uh, in the meantime... Uh, Invisible Man, you get inspiration too for asking that question. Okay. Anyway, as you're looking down the staircase, you see a sign that kind of hangs above the door and is kind of drooping over it a little bit. And it says, so long as the money is good... All creatures, living, dead, or otherwise, are invited within these doors, except the following. (laughs) And then there's a list of about uh, seven or eight names of vampires that it says are not invited. What names are on there? Carmilla. (laughs) Malarka. Malarka. Uh, You see at the top, the first name is Count Orlock. You see right beneath it, Countess Malarka Karnstein. Oh. you see Sir Maurice Wormwood. Cute. Count Strahd von Zarovich. Hey. <laughs> Lady Akasha Hazelmeyer. Eh. Rainer LaRoe. Hey. Oh. And then down at the bottom, Lord Marlowe brought... And then the last three letters are destroyed and broken off. Very clearly recently etched out of it. Guess they let him back in. So Rain is a vampire? Or at least maybe he had dealings with vampires before it went south. Well, the most that we know is that he's not invited in this area. True. Well, that makes this place sound great, according to me. Well, if he's not invited in this area and we're trying to find him and trying to get our stuff back, maybe that can help us so we can take him out. Who knows, we could find favor with Just these vampires. Just remember not to say the name Carmilla. Uh, apparently she did not leave in good terms. Obviously. I mean, her last name is up there. It's Constine, right? Uh, correct. Yes. So could that be her mother or someone else? Uh, I'm pretty sure that's her. That was her grave marker. Anyways, let's see what we can find down here. All right. So I guess we go down into, um, uh, the thing. <laughs> Although, actually, how much coin do we have on, on all of us as of right now? I think currently I have nine coins, so <laughs> I don't think I passed that those who have money. <laughs> well, as long as I'm pretty sure collectively you have between 60 and 70 coins. All yeah, I have right. 10 coins in my thing right now. Oh, I have 15. I had five and then I got some from card nonsense. I won't disclose. Nice. Um, I'm going to ask Emotep if you're all going to be staying in this area. If we can find some way to get in without the guards getting angry or without children trying to mug us, I suppose. How good are my costumes? That um, that varies. But what I will say, if any one of you goes up to knock, the door then creaks open in response. I'll knock. I want to knock. I'm gullible. I actually was going to say that I want to walk back up and see if I could find a tavern to pawn off those paintings that I have. Hold that thought. So Imhotep, you spoke up first. As you knock on the door, it swings open and a 10 foot tall revenant walks out. Oh. For context, the boss fight that you just had against Baron Vordenberg, he was a variation on a revenant. It is a type of undead that is a spirit of vengeance that lingers on in perpetuity until the target of their fury is defeated. And uh, this spirit in front of you, you can tell is of a similar nature to Vordenberg, but with not as much going on upstairs. It steps out the door, looks out at you, points up at the sign, and says, You. One. These. No. None in our party are any of the people listed on the sign. He's a little bit kind of startled and just like slowly collecting himself. He squints and starts thinking. 
real hard. <laughs> I want to know that I'm still looking like a human. I'd like to tip my sun hat at him. It kind of shakes his head as you tip your sun hat and says, Okay, you safe pass. And gestures inside. Jordan loves him. (laughs) I skip everyone else and I walk right on in. Welcome to Nest. Ooh, fancy. As you walk in, the first thing that you see above you and to the back there are some supernaturally glowing runes that spell out the nest. And they glow with an ethereal neon green. (laughs) As you look around, the walls around you are upholstered with like red satin. You see a whole bunch of tables and chairs in a room that stretches way far back. You feel- Is this like a nightclub? You feel the pulsating of music. Oh my god. <laughs> it's a nightclub. It's a goddamn vampire nightclub. We are the outcasts, the misfits you might say. We deal with the nightmares that you run away from every single day. We know the world is a gruesome little place. But us outsiders, we've developed quite a taste For the grisly and morbid, the ghastly and the horrid We know it's awful dreadful, but we like it Just another haunted night, shrouded with unearthly fright So when you're oh so terrified, you know who to call The world is falling apart Thank you so much for listening to this episode of D and Dark, created and hosted by myself, Danger Dan Jers. Stick around to the end for this episode's blooper. If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know by leaving a review. We've got an easy link in the description to ratethispodcast.com slash dndark in order to lay out all your options in one easy link. Your support really does mean the world to us, and we appreciate hearing your thoughts and feelings on the show, so please reach out to us on TikTok at dndarkpodcast. Dark's cast is Aaron Coffold as Eric, the Phantom of the Opera, Jordan Nelson as Larry Talbot, the Wolfman, Daniel Cruz as Imhotep, the Mummy, Grayson Norman as Jack Griffin, the Invisible Man, and Ben Magnet as Frankenstein's monster. Our theme song and outro is Let's All Have a Ball by Ryan White Maloney and Tony Carboni, recorded at True North Studios Las Vegas. Additional music this episode was provided by Joy Lynn Music. Our cover art was provided by Jordan Nelson. Listen to new episodes of D&D Dark every Wednesday, anywhere you find podcasts. All right, so for today's blooper, rather than a joke that didn't make the cut, what I have for you instead is just the raw, unedited, isolated audio of Daniel's moment of pure excitement. (gasps) Oh my god! Oh yes!